Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. This is Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner here for another great conversation today on the show. And Bruce, thank you so much for joining me for um, just a a heart-to-heart about the state of our world and how to live in it today. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time. I uh, I know we got a couple of topics we want to talk about, but I'm out in uh, Arizona working out of the office there and I have a meeting with a business owner, but last night I had another meeting with a client and we went to a local restaurant and they actually had to uh, reduce their hours tremendously Mm. because they can't find any workers. And uh, I'm personally dealing with this with our uh, beer sauce shop in uh, St. Louis. Uh, We normally have uh, one part-time worker, excuse me, one full-time worker and five part-time workers. And right now we're down to one part, uh, one full-time worker and only one part-time worker that can work mm-hmm. only on Sundays. So we've had to close uh, the day uh, during the day on Mondays and, and Tuesday and then mm-hmm. reduce our hours the rest of the time. And, you know, if you looked at any of the jobs reports from August, 4.3 million people set a record that was actually set in April of people quitting the job market. But what was especially hit hard was hospitality because hospitality lost 29% of that 4.3 million. And I do have clients and friends that own other uh, restaurants and bars and hospitality type situations. And they report that the workers are just saying, I'm not going back into this industry. I'll do anything to go keep from going back into that industry. Mm. And there's no doubt about it. And I've always been extremely sensitive myself. That's a, it's a hard industry because oftentimes you don't have set times. Um, You're working late hours. You're trying to please the general public. Mm -hmm. Really good servers uh, make a really good living, but they have no benefits. The ones that uh, are pretty good uh, make a, decent living, but with no benefits. And I think that's where a lot of people are saying they have to find another avenue. Well, that's, uh, that's hurting production uh, because one of hospitality, service and hospitality, United States, a lot is built on that. Mm-hmm. So that's going to have a trickling effect on families, going to have a trickling effect on investing, so on and so forth. I don't think it's going to be a big reset, but it definitely has something that people need to, to watch in, in the economy. I think it's just really interesting. I mean, I think all of us are feeling the shifts and the change, and there's just a lot happening right now. Uh, I mean, just a quick look at the news is a little overwhelming. I mean, you hear food shortages. Okay, well, usually we would think there's a lack of food. Well, there's not a lack of food. It's this supply chain disruption where there's not maybe the truckers to move the food from one place to another. And you're just looking at big headlines. You're seeing that there's a lot of breaking down of small pieces 
of this global infrastructure that we all rely on to have everyday life needs met. I mean, if you look back, I was just thinking last night about the book, The it's called The Miraculous Pencil. This is a plug for Connor Boyack. Right. He's written um, these children's books, but they're about the idea of understanding how the world works. And really they're written from a much, uh, a very free market, enterprising, um, capitalistic perspective. And talking about how do we thrive in a free market economy and, and what are these forces that that are against that, then how can we understand them? And so he just talks about this pencil uh, that they lead the kids through understanding, well, this looks like a really super simple pencil, but there's so many, not only people, but whole industries that work together to provide a pencil, not only to mine the I don't exactly know what goes into a pencil, but I don't know if graphite is mined. I'm sure that it is. And somehow packaged into something that goes into the pencil itself. And then you have to have the timber that goes into the wood and it has to be sliced a certain way. And that's, I mean, we're talking about multiple factories there just with the supply chain for a pencil. And then you have the paint that goes on the outside. You've got the marketing that goes into it. It's packaged into boxes. It gets into schools and Walmart stores and Target and to to families who need to purchase them for school supplies. There's just a lot that goes into one pencil. And if you disrupt any small piece of that, you have this unraveling. And ultimately, I think we're seeing a lot of almost like a domino effect in a lot of ways that might be happening beneath the surface. But if you have, I mean, at one, at one point, we're seeing that there's a problem with trucking and shipment of trucking. And if you just disrupt the, if you just remove the ability to have enough truckers to bring product from one place to another, that alone causes disruption in things like the food market and the delivery of other products. And, and the we're talking about possibly having the National Guard supply 80,000 trucking drive, jobs. I mean, it's just, to me, it's baffling to think how there's these breakdowns happening in many different areas and how the government is then saying, hey, we have the solution to fix the problem that, uh, yeah, that they caused. They created. So Nelson, yeah. yeah, Nelson used to say that all the time. You know, he said uh, when, he, when he talked about qualified money, he said, you know, so the IRA came out in 1973, and then the Roth IRA came out in 1999. And so Nelson would say they told us that tax deferred money in 1973 was the best way to go. And then in 1999, they said, they said, oh no, we're going to change. The best way to go is to actually pay your taxes now and then have it grow tax-free. And he says, when they create a, a situation and then they create a solution to the problem that they created, don't you feel manipulated? And I think that's what people are saying now, like, you know, uh, the Biden administration has now gone to the oil and gas companies and say, and say, hey, can't you lower your prices? If you don't lower your prices, we're going to leave or let out some of our oil reserves that we have to try to flood the market and lower the, the prices. But if you look back, because E3 actually does some oil and gas partnerships, we're, we're hearing from people on the ground. The, the, partner, the two major partnerships we use are debt-free. And the banks are now not lending to the big companies because they're afraid that the, the renewable energy sources, such as wind and solar, 
are going to cause the oil companies and the gas companies not to make m- enough money to to pay for their their uh, loan payments. Mm. So they've they've cut off they've cut off. So okay, so I'm not saying we should or should not have renewable energy. That's not po- that's not the point of what I'm saying right here. The point is that the government says we're going to have renewable energy, which is not necessarily free market, because they're going to do some incentives, and whether those incentives are good enough to actually cause it, or are those incentives to actually pay the corporations to do it. And then because of that, it's causing other commodities to rise, and then their solution is now we're going to manipulate it by first putting pressure on the companies, and second saying, hey, we have some oil reserves that we're going to release into the economy if you don't, if you don't lower the prices. So once again, it's, I say this all the time, it's unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. Are, there a gr- <clears throat> are there a group of people in Washington, D.C. that think that they know what's great and mm-hmm. they're trying to help people? Yes. And I tell people all the time when I get into discussion, when we're on opposite sides of belief, I'm not going to say opposite sides of the aisle because I don't know what aisle I'm, I'm in, but we're on opposite sides of belief. I'm, I say, we believe in the same things. We just disagree on how to accomplish those same things. Mm-hmm. And when you can start from a position like that, I think you can, you can actually talk out a solution. But this goes back to controlling more of your assets. Mm-hmm. Because if you were in a position now where you had assets tied up in a commodity, um, where you, ha- like example, the commodity of natural gas, if they had their assets tied up, where they had a lot of debt, they can't continue on because they can't get more debt to do the new partnership. Mm-hmm. Where if you're, where if you have you're sitting on cash, you could continue on through this. Mm-hmm. And frankly, one of our uh, companies went from the number number ten supplier of oil wells in Texas to the number two supplier in less oh, than wow. six in less than six months because they're debt free. They, because they're debt free. The other ones can't. They can't produce any wells because they they were relying on leverage from the bank. You know, so just having interesting. a large part of your portfolio con- control it is a is a really good thing. Yeah, it's it's this I mean, I feel like it's this dichotomy in a way. I mean, we are all dependent on other people and other organizations and institutions. Yet how do we live in that dependence, this interdependence, but be as much in control as possible? And I think you know, if you listen to this show on a regular basis, you probably get that Bruce and I both are proponents of freedom and being in as much freedom as possible and having as much control over your resources as possible. I think that really puts anybody in the best position possible. And it, and it really comes down to then, do we want to give up the control to other institutions, governments, organizations that we think um, know better than we do? Or do we really believe that we are the best person to make decisions for our own life, for our own money, for our own time, for our own resources. I mean, this touches so many different angles. I mean, we could be talking about um, our, our political views here, but ultimately the main position that we all need to be in is figuring out how do we contribute the most value to the world and how can we generate as much capital as possible and manage it 
as successfully as possible to be in control financially that gives you then options for how you're going to choose to walk in the midst of all of the chaos that's happening around us. Because here's what I know. It can be really easy to look at all of the state of affairs and say, it's really sad. It's devastating. It's challenging. It's difficult. And therefore, we just have to go do what we're told. And therefore, we just have to give up the control. But I don't think that's true. I think we can walk in a state of abundance because here's what I know. People are still finding tremendous opportunity in the midst of this state of the world. In the midst of this season, there are opportunities emerging that we haven't even seen yet. And so it's this whole, I think really the the big question is, are we going to walk in scarcity or are we going to walk in abundance? And that can be something that can roll off your tongue and be like, oh, I'm going to choose abundance. But I think that means something different for every minute that you live and it has to continue evolving. Abundance means not choosing to walk in fear and just hoarding. I mean, we're hearing the grocer say, you know, people should be, if, if you got cash, you should be buying a bunch of food right now because we're not sure how the how the uh, the supply chain is going to be and there are going to be food shortages. You're hearing that from the grocery store in addition to hearing it from the news. Okay, well, does that mean that I want to go hoard food in my house? No, but how do you then live in this this system of interconnectedness and say, how do I create as much income as possible so that I can live free? And how do I manage those resources so I have control and access to those resources? And you know, what's really interesting, Bruce, is I think this underlying mindset of choosing abundance is the one thing that causes success in any any environment. It causes success in your family, causes success in your finances, it causes success in your business. And it's only by choosing that abundance thinking that we can really get ahead of everything going on around us. Yeah. And um, this, this does come down to mindset. Um, I was talking to a business consultant yesterday and she was she was saying, you know, yeah, there's gonna there's a lot of people out there's a lot of business owners out there that are really beaten down right now because of the labor and the supply chain, so on and so forth. But she said she tried to she tried to build them up because a lot of them were very pessimistic and before they even had supply chain interruptions. Mm. Kind of like you were talking about the food, you know, the grocery stores saying, Hey, you better do this because we're we're anticipating you know, supply chain interruption. So they worry and they worry and they worry. And then all of a sudden it never comes. Mm-hmm. And so she was trying to say, why don't you focus your energy on uh, the positive? And then if the supply chain interruption never happens, then you never wasted energy mm-hmm. in the situation. And I thought, you know, I mean, I, I try to think like that all the time. Um, but this is, this is our, our, uh, our, our, fight or flight reaction biologically mm-hmm. well, it's- because we, we need, we, we have a tendency, negative thoughts run through our brains a lot faster than positive thoughts run through our brain. That's why you have to train your brain to think the other way. You know, it's really interesting that the whole argument of not argument, but the whole um, spectrum of scarcity to abundance can all be boiled down to this idea of being in fear or being in faith. And if you are in fear 
it's very easy to be controlled by other things and not be in control. And scarcity always causes you to give up control, whether, I mean, we could go there, whether it's fear of the virus or fear of the vaccine or fear of the um, shortages or fear of losing a job or fear of um, mandates that we don't agree with or fear of what other people are doing or fear of the unknown or there's just so many fears that we can look at and say, okay, how can I choose, even when I don't like what's happening around me, how can I choose to walk in faith and to see that there is a lot of crazy happening, but there's a purpose in all of it. And there's still a way forward that might look different than it does today, but that's the part of the world evolving. I mean, when I think of this, Bruce, I don't, I don't remember, I think we've had conversation about this before, but um, it, it reminds me of Atlas Shrugged and in reading Ayn Rand's work and this whole idea that there was regular life happening, the the shipping, the industrial revolution was happening. There was trains, and the main character Dagny Taggart is is um, set up in this CEO position of this train company that she was passed down from her grandfather, and she is trying to continue shipping throughout the world while all of these breakdowns are happening. There's government mandates that you have to have a certain kind of steel be used. And then there's, it was a lot of government um, enforcement of, of certain ways of operating that caused people then to give up control. And really that's what happened. They said, well, I can't be responsible for anything. I can't make any judgment calls. I can't have any intention. I can't take responsibility for anything because I don't know how to operate in this, you know, in this world of requirements by, in that case, it was the government. And it was this, this way of saying there were people who chose to take ownership and responsibility of their life anyways. And there was the people who gave up the ownership and responsibility. And I see this playing out. It feels like we're living Atlas Shrugged in a lot of ways right now. But the cool thing is there was still the people who were the producers. They were not just being a victim of what was forced upon them and the times that they lived in, they chose to become producers, to think higher and think above the the suppression and think above um, everything that was happening that was against them. I mean, it was crippling industry. And yet at the same time, those people were thriving. And I think there's still a way to do that today. Well, just like uh, last week, and it hasn't aired yet, but with uh, Shaheen, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Shane, Con- Shane, mm-hmm. Shaheen, Shane, when I asked him about, because the other person I knew from Iran was mm-hmm. a tremendous entrepreneur, and he said, well, it's not something that's in us, but when, when you know the government's not coming to help you, then you tend to be more entrepreneurial. And I was actually watching Rick Steves on Channel Nine the other day, the travel guy mm. who had who had gone into um, Ethiopia, and the whole economy is set up to it's actually starting to thrive because there's, they've had turmoil in that part of Africa with Sudan and Somalia and so on and so more, but it's all set up with little bitty individual businesses, mm. and they're just they're just trying to. Th- survive and thrive and be, you know, um, entrepreneurial. I think this is one, once again, I'm not, I'm not talking about 
one side of the aisle or the other because I think I think they all have uh, personal agendas brought on by lobbyists. But if you do give this idea out to the economy that oh we'll take care of you, and that's what's happening, and mm-hmm. also it's what's happening with you know some of this new infrastructure. Oh look, we're going to build this new infrastructure, and it's going to bring in all these other jobs. So people are now sitting at home waiting for these supposed great jobs that are going to be, you know, coming out, then you're disrupting the entire process. But what will happen is exactly what you're saying is the different entrepreneurs will take advantage of that and they will pivot at the Mm -hmm. proper time. The ones that are abundance mindset, they'll pivot and they'll make it even better. It's been proven over and over in society, you know, whether you go from the collapse of Germany after World War One, or whether you go from the collapse of the Roman Empire, or even further back, or the collapse of J- Japan in the uh, 90s, uh, they've come back, and they come back on the back of the entrepreneurial spirit that stays positive in every situation. Yeah, I love entrepreneurism. I love the idea that how connected that is to the idea that I have value and I have value to bring to others. And I, as a human can increase this value that I provide and serve by understanding the world that I live in and understanding the right systems and processes to make that happen. There's a way to think differently. And there's a way to think above just being a cog in the machine or just being a victim of everything happening to us. And so, I mean, there's just so much that we could say about this. I am really excited still um, just at the opportunity for individual people to be able to take their unique lens on the world and be able to improve the world and improve other people's lives. And as we stay focused on that, we don't have to participate in the the scarcity thinking, the it's almost like this cloak of uh, darkness that we can step out from under that and say, you know, we're living in the same world, but we don't have to operate with the same lens or the same vantage point and the same perspective. And that just gives me a lot of freedom because, look, I don't want to stay in, you know, victim land or or this frustrated way of just pointing fingers and being mad at the government or being mad at the supply chain or being mad at the grocery store being, you know, there's, there's no point in living that way. And Bruce, I like even how you said, you know, it might not even be two separate sides of the aisle. I think what it comes down to for me is I believe in personal freedom. I believe in living as free as possible. I believe in being able to make our own decisions and living in harmony with others. And I think ultimately we probably all want that. I think it can just be this um, when we're made to live in fear or we choose to let ourselves be living in fear, it can be really easy to say, well, I'll give up my freedom. I'll give up my right to create a good business. I'll give up my right to be financially uh, independent. I'll give up my right to, to live the way I want to live. And for me, it boils down to choosing to walk in freedom, no matter what's going on around us. And then finding that beautiful value that God put inside of every single one of us that we have to be able to provide value to others. And that 
then gives us the ability to rise above. I mean, if you are creating a business and you're successful and then you have the capital to live the way you want, you have freedom to opt out of things that that are in our society. You have the freedom to move to another location that works better for you, that allows those freedoms to be um, more prevalent in your life. And so I think staying stuck causes you to stay impoverished and stay in fear. Then you're controlled by the environment. The other option is to walk in faith. And that allows you to make the money and get the personal freedom and have financial independence and be in control. And then you don't have to worry about that burden. So Bruce, I think we can wrap from here. Is there anything else that you want to share? I think this is just a really interesting discussion. I think it is, you know, I think it's relevant. I was looking back in some of our archives and we basically had the same kind of a message back at the beginning of coronavirus when I don't even know if we're allowed to say that word right now, (laughs) Um, but at the beginning of the pandemic, um, this whole idea that there's a lot of fear around in the world, but we can still not just survive, but we can thrive in the midst of that. And I think that same reality is absolutely true today and will continue to always be true. We just have to choose to see it. Yes. So in closing, I just think that people need to realize that even in an inflationary environment, which seems like, <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> which seems like it would be a bad thing. In it, for the entrepreneur, uh, he's going to have justification if, if they run their business correctly to raise prices. And I do not believe interest rates are going to go down. And I also think that if, we, if, the, if Congress passes the infrastructure bill, that's going to be 3.5 to 4.5 trillion more dollars that's going to go into the economy. And that can't do anything but continue to have price prices rise well labor will have the labor rate will have to rise also so i'm not sure that everybody is going to be in any different uh, situation but i sure think that the people that are w2 are going to have a more difficult time on the other end unless they can push their wage up and their wages will push up a little bit but the entrepreneur can find different ways to um, have his his or her business run more effectively and, and pivot. The good ones will be able to pivot, pivot, especially with a good mindset. Yes, that is absolutely true. And I don't think as entrepreneurs, we have to be afraid of unemployment. I mean, I know that those numbers are rising too. We look at inflation rising. We're saying, is that similar to what happened in the 19 end of 1960s into 1970. And I think what's just really interesting, I mean, the word stagflation is being thrown around a little bit too. And are we at the risk of that? The real truth is though, if you are an entrepreneur, you aren't relying on having a job available to you. You are creating your own job. And so let's continue to be creators in a world that might not always be conducive to that, but we still have the freedom to be creators, thankfully. So with that, I would just encourage you, if you are in a position of saying, hey, I like what you guys are saying. Um, I want to figure out how to be more in control of my own financial resources. I've either made money already in my entrepreneur endeavors, and I want to be even more in control. I want to 
find ways to, I want to use the word opt out, um, opt out of the typical way of thinking about money. I want to be in a position that I am not just trying to find the next good um, high return stock. I want to not just put my money into ways that I'm, I'm normally hearing with 401ks and IRAs. I really want to find a way to have more access and more control. We would love to talk to you about that. We'd love to help you find ways to optimize your financial life and be in the most control in the widest range of circumstances. That's really what puts you head and shoulders advantage. So in closing, sorry, if you want to book an appointment, you can go ahead and go over to themoneyadvantage.com. You can also find all the rest of our resources there. We have a host of other podcasts and videos and blogs and tools and guides and courses, everything that you need to be able to really dig in to finding out how to be in control of your financial life. Because I really think that that is the key. If you can control your financial life, you can control a lot in the external part of your life as well. We'd love to be a part of your story in creating that. So in closing, remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business that you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.